Live on Bike Talk and KPFK live stream doing Zoom uh, during these times of, of COVID. So uh, we welcome uh, former Assemblyman Mike Gatto um, to the show today. We're really excited to have you, Mike. Welcome. Oh, it's great to be with you. Yeah. So we're kind of just doing a check-in. We just want to see what you're up to lately. Um, you know, we, we have a lot to thank you for, uh, including uh, AB 529. Right. That was kind of a big deal in California, sort of put a crack in the wall of the 85th percentile law. So um, thank you for that. And uh, we're just we're excited to have you on the show. And we want to, you know, just to see where you're at and what you're up to these days. Well, I'm trying to stay the, the heck out of politics right now because politics <laughs> is such a mess. It is so <laughs> so ugly um, and uh, it's really a shame because there's a lot of stuff that we need to do. Um, you know, the COVID crisis is a time for us to reimagine how we want our society to work. Um, I think a lot of people have figured that out um, by force. It's, they finally listened to many of the things that I've heard you say, which is, you know, our, our, you know first of all, you, you can uh, telecommute on many days. Second of all, um, you can, uh, we can use our streets uh, for many purposes. Um, it's wonderful to see so many people, when, when I go out now, um, it's wonderful to see so many people outside with their kids, walking, biking. People have rediscovered what it means to use our streets, and I think it's because they feel safer. Uh, there's a lot less cars, a lot less traffic, streets have slowed down a little bit, and I think people are starting to see what our cities and urban spaces can be like, and I think that's fantastic. If there's one positive thing that comes from this year, that's it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I live in a pretty suburban area right now. And, uh, you know, for a long time before this happened, you know, the, the streets were pretty empty of pedestrians. But sure. since the, the closed, you know, since we shut everything down, I'm seeing so many people walking and biking. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, I think like you are, that, that people sort of have a realization about this. Um, I guess we'll see. But it, in the city of Los Angeles, you know, they've been, the LADOT's actually been kind of going, getting on board. They have uh, the Slow Streets, I think it's called the uh, Slow Streets program, where uh, neighborhood councils can, can uh, petition for uh, particular streets in their neighborhood to be designated slow streets right now so that people have more space to walk. There's a lot of folks when they are walking, the sidewalks end up being too narrow and you have to maintain your distance and they're sort of walking into the street because they have to. So that's um, interesting to see that the LADOT is even taking note of this and, and doing things. About yeah. It. You know, I think the slow streets program is um, first of all, you know, it's, it's plastered all over the slow streets website that it's meant to be temporary, which is kind of sad. <laughs> that it's a, um, and also they, they say these things like, you know, you, you can't use the streets for this and that, and we're going to be monitoring, making sure everyone keeps apart. And okay. Um, so there's definitely this COVID temporary feel to it, but I think it's really a model for how our streets can be used. Um, about, I don't know, four or five months ago now, I did an op-ed that was picked up by a lot of the different outlets and uh, Ciclavia really did a lot with it and blasted it all over the place where I said that um, every council district in Los Angeles, uh, each of the 15 should try, just try us, 
designate one area of each council district as um, a pedestrian is only zone, like you see in Europe, um, where you know you can ride a bike, you can walk, and they're just going to close the streets entirely for traffic forever. Um, it's amazing because whenever these streets are closed temporarily, people love it. Uh, the idea for this came when I was at a street fair and uh, we closed a, a little street. Uh, it's, you know, one lane each way, but it's used as a thoroughfare car speed in San Pedro. But everybody came out, but like the whole neighborhood came out. Everybody walked. The businesses had like a 10,000% increase in, in usage. And everyone's like, oh, this is so cool. And it's like, well, why don't we just do it forever then? I mean, uh, you know, it's not like you need this street to, to commute and, uh, I think it would encourage people to shop locally and so on and so forth. So I think the Safe Streets program is a great model for how we can do things permanently. Now, you've worked in, on the state level, and I imagine with uh, AB 529, uh, you saw a lot of opposition to that. Um, for sure. Who are the main players? Like, we're talking AAA, the CHP, um, right? Like those are kind of the, the main forces of opposition. I mean, or did, did you, were you able to identify like, like, every, like whenever it just boggles my mind, like whenever I think about like the situation we have, it's like people on the ground locally love their street to be calm. But when it comes to their commute, they're sort of like, I don't want your street to be calm. I want to be able to commute through, you know, it's like, there's this cultural circular firing squad or something where it's like, we want our, our neighborhood to be calm, but we don't want your neighborhood to be calm. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So what, how, how can we get past this? What, what do we have to do statewide or how, do, how is this going to go down? Well, it's a really interesting question because this is not a typical special interest area. You know, you, you, whenever you typically think of some special interest, the evil special interest that's pulling the strings, it's because there's a lot of money involved. And, you know, you think about the auto club and you think about the CHP, well, there, there's really not that much money involved there. I mean, of course, there's a profit motive in cars and gas and everything like that. But you don't really see, you know, it's not like this is something where, at least I don't think it's, the, I don't think it's a situation where like the oil companies are pulling the strings. You just have these really entrenched people and this entrenched thinking, particularly among some of the uh, Department of Transportation staffers at the state level, particularly among some of the committee consultants in the legislature and locally. And then you have these, um, these you know, what I call the knee-jerk commuters, the people who have had a miserable, you know, hour and a half commute for 30 years and they'll be darned if anybody's going to, you know, add a minute to it or, and, and, you know, I just kind of, I kind of, you know, again, you go back to what people have learned in the last couple of months is you can work from home. If, if your job is one that can be performed from home uh, and, and let, let's face it in our service economy, that's as a large percentage of our workforce, uh, you know, you should probably try to do some of your, you know, do some telecommuting. And then also, um, you know, I think we have to rethink the whole way that, that our society is structured because, you know, this, the, the sprawl, the, the, you know, I live, you know, I, I used to always be amazed when, when I, um, I when, when I was a young associate before I ran for office and, you know, it's like there were people who commuted two hours to come to downtown LA and, and two hours to come to Century City and that type of thinking, we're starting to see it shift away. People are living closer to where they work, but we need a whole lot more of that. Uh, to slow down our streets.
I'm thinking about that. It's, you know, I have a friend who runs a law firm and he is a bike advocate and he's been saying, you know, on social media is like, why am I even renting office space? We're all telecommuting right now. And it's sort of a curious, uh, I guess, realization for people, right? It's like telecommuting can work and it does work. And maybe there's a little light that's turning on uh, inside people's heads at, at yeah. companies, you know, it's like, why do I need to go to downtown to be in an office when I can just do this? On yeah. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm all for synergy and I'm all for human contact. And frankly, in coronavirus, I miss it a lot. I miss, you know, sure. going to dinner with my buddies and things like that. But the reality is, I mean, what you said is that a lot of people whose jobs allow them, we preface it with that, but most lawyers, you know, they spend all day on the phone or on their laptop. And, you know, I'm assuming they have a phone at home and a laptop at home. <laughs> why then drive an hour each way and be away from your family and be miserable and pollute the, the air when you can work from home? And um, I realize there's temptations and people aren't always so disciplined and everything like that. And a lot of companies are, that's why they are so resistant. They don't want to be paying people for you know, playing online poker, but there's a lot of wasted time at any office environment too. people, you know, hang around the water cooler and stuff. So I don't know. Look, if, even if we said, let, let's say we had a world war two scenario where we said, you know, I think in world war two, they said you could, there are periods where they said you could only drive four days a week, three days a week, two days a week, one day a week. But let's say we just said, you know, one day a week, everybody who can has to telecommute. Well, that's 20% of the people who are commuting would be taken off the streets. Right. That right. is huge. That is huge. You know, as people know, when, uh, when there's a holiday that, that, you know, is observed by maybe 10% of the population, it still reduces traffic tremendously. Do you think that's possible? Can we actually implement some kind of rule like that? Like uh, where we sort of mandate businesses that can telecommute to do that? That'd be interesting. I doubt it would ever be a mandate. I mean, it would be so easy, right? I mean, if you told everybody, God, we could pass one law, it was going to be a 20% reduction in traffic, pollution, and, and commute times. Uh, would we pass it? Everybody's, yeah, yeah, probably. But I just don't think the public would accept okay. it as a mandate. I think the culture needs a change. I think people need to realize that it can happen and that that day is a lot more joyful and productive. Because I'll tell you, you know, when, when you give up, the idea of it's normal to be in a car an hour each day, you get so much of your life back. And um, I mean, you get, I mean, you know, we're only really, uh, they say, you know, you spend, you spend eight hours sleeping, you spend a third of your day sleeping, a third of your day working and a third of your day, everything else. And it's like, well, you're eating in your work time is eating into your everything else with the two hour commutes. And that's so. Now you've been car free, you said for, yes. for how long now? Eight years. It years. So, um, so this started as a challenge. It started as a crazy challenge over drinks, um, like most crazy things. Um, I was having drinks. Well, so I was in the legislature and we were in the midst of a budget crisis and we, the legislature voted to take away our cars. We had a car that they gave us to drive to events and things like that. It's paid for by the taxpayers. In, you know, in the LA city council, like they get three cars, right? And board of supervisors get like 10. It was crazy, but legislators had one car and that was my car. And uh, I didn't have a car other than that. And when we voted to take it away from ourselves because the recession, it was, you know, something that could be cut. I was sitting around drinking with a buddy of mine and he said, why don't you try to just live without a car? 
And I said, all right, you know, challenge accepted. And I thought maybe I'd last <laughs> six months, but um, here I am in 2020. And uh, now I want to stress, my household has a car. My wife has a car. She, we have babies that need to be in car seats and she takes them to school, right? Sure, sure. But, but I have lived, commuted, worked, gone to meetings, picked up dry cleaning, grocery shopped, everything without a car for eight years now. And, and also, and let me throw an asterisk on it. When, um, when I was in the legislature, I lived in Glendale and um, I was in a very walkable part of Glendale. If people know Glendale, I was in the flats and my grocery store was literally two blocks away. I could walk to a clothing store if I needed a tie, you know, three blocks away. My banks were all two blocks away. I walked everywhere and it was, it was awesome. Um, and when I went to an event, I would carpool because, you know, most people in office, they go to events with staff and you'll see, you know, three cars will roll up. It's staff or one, staff or two, staff or three. So I implemented in my office, no, we all carpool. I mean, you know, it's like the least you can do. I, there were still people who said, well, it's cheating because when you go to events, uh, you have staff. Well, I turned out of office on January 1, 2017. I haven't had staff now for, for, uh, for three years. And I've still been able to, I've gone to events. I've gone to events in full suits. Um, you know, now of course, I mean, I take the subway. Um, if it's pouring rain, I'll take an Uber or Lyft. Um, you know, um, I, I ride a lot of buses and I bike. And um, I'll tell you, I've never been more fit. Um, and I've never, <laughs> I've never been happier. I mean, um, there is something to not having to pay for parking and not having to, to worry about traffic and to be able to read when you're commuting and just, you know, obviously not, not when I'm biking, <laughs> when I'm on the subway. So, um, you know, it, it just, it's really liberating in a weird way. And I know that sounds crazy because we're always taught that a car liberates you. And I had that mindset too, but um, it's, it's oddly liberating. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's, uh, I've definitely been, you know, I'm born and raised in LA and I was definitely of that mindset. And there's a certain point where you start to feel like you're dragging this machine around with you and you have to put it somewhere, yes. you, gotta, you know, so it, it's, it's crazy. And it's, I wish people could somehow just you know see it but it's it's like culturally ingrained here and also the built environment unfortunately when you're talking about a walkable community there's a whole lot of LA that was built for you know car car scale yeah where you have to drive everywhere for everything correct and uh that is that is such a barrier you know how do you get past that I mean that's like zoning stuff here we're talking about right correct yeah you're right there, there are communities that that i mean you know the whole city of las vegas right i mean and parts of la that look like it where if you walk down those streets they have beautiful wide sidewalks that are very nice and very flat but if you walk people stare at you like who are you what are you doing you know? <laughs> and we've all been that guy uh on this show but but uh you know those those communities hopefully people will vote with their feet they will start to move to, and, you know, move back to areas that are a little bit more commute friendly. And so we'll see. Yeah. Is there going to be a future where it's just too expensive to, uh, to use two ton machines to get us around? You know, like, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, there's a part of me that says yes. But then, you know, um, as anyone knows, who's ever traveled to Europe recently, we get very upset when we say, oh my gosh, you know, gas is four bucks a gallon. 
well, in, uh, in, in parts of Europe, it's $16 a gallon, right? Right, so right. I, I think we would, have, we would have general unrest in the United States if things got like that. So who knows? I mean, look, you know, before coronavirus, I do think it was even going in this direction where people were like, look, I can jump, I can, I can locate within the urban core or I can locate someplace that's transit accessible and I can take a train somewhere and then maybe walk the last mile or take an Uber or Lyft, whatever. And I think people were getting used to that. That is, you know, one of the bad byproducts of coronavirus is that I think people are, you know, perhaps, you know, a little more scared to be on a tube, an enclosed tube with a whole bunch of other people. So, you know, we'll see if that changes when everybody goes back to normal. I, I hope people continue to have the positive things. And I hope the, the negative things, the fear of being in a subway, I hope that goes away. Um, what do you think about e-bikes? There was, there's been a lot of, uh, state level work being done with e-bikes, right? Like where they're now, uh, becoming more and more, uh, legal for bike paths and things like that. Yeah. Um, do you, have you ever, have you ever, uh, ridden one? You know, I haven't, um, I've debated whether to get one and mm. I've debated whether to get a golf cart. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, would be so great yeah you know but but um but i'm also really frugal and so i just i haven't justified it yet for myself but um but i think they have a role i think they, i think everything has a role you know i know there's people out there who hate scooters i know there are cyclists people who are probably watching right now who hate scooters they're purists they say you've got to be moving yourself with your own legs scooters get out of my way but you know my thing is like look they're all of this, it's better than a car. If you're taking anything that is quiet and less polluting and taking up less space, it's better than a car. So I think there's a role for everything. I mean, there are people out there who live in a very hilly community or people out there who might not be in the best shape, who might need that, that electric assist, you know, sometime. Fine, great. You know, um, my thing is, and I know people disagree, but the more we can push this technology out to everybody, the better it is. Right. What do you think right. about now, I, are you are you a purist? No, I, you know I was I was for a long time, but uh, I now am on board with the scooters and the e-bikes. I, I think that I think like what you're saying, like if if you know if we had some kind of a scooter revolution or even just like uh, mopeds or or sure. you know motorcycles in Los Angeles, it would free up so much space. Uh, I think that would solve things for Los Angeles. So I'm on board with e-bikes. Um, I don't know that I would ever get one, but uh, <laughs> so I'm going to try to hang on and keep my legs going. But I've read that you can get just as much exercise on an e-bike as well. You're basically pedaling and you're just interesting moving faster. So that's intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, what, what's the future like for Mike? What do you, what do you got going on? Are you, are you going to be running for office somewhere out there? Really? Laura Friedman's kind of taken up your cause and is doing good things with your old district. But now what's, what's in the future here? Well, thanks for How do we get, we, we need more good people like you. In well, the- thank you. You're very kind. Um, <laughs> Laura has done a great job. I mean, she has been fantastic and, um, she she has been the best possible successor um, and i think she's doing great for the 43rd and she'll continue to i mean in terms of me i mean um it sounds corny but i you know 
I have three children and we had tried for so long for the third. And uh, I was planning on running statewide and uh, you know, that, that was what I was gonna do in 2016. But then we had the joyous occasion of my wife being pregnant and we had tried for so long to have our son. And so Congratulations. I had yeah, thank you. And I have a little guy and he, uh, he, uh, he just turned three last week. And so, you know, being, being in Washington, D.C. and really being in Sacramento, too, it's not compatible with the family. It's, I'm not complaining. I was very fortunate to be up there. But, but, you know, if you are a flight away, a plane flight away from your family for most of the week, it doesn't matter if it's an hour plane flight or a five hour plane flight, you're, you're away from them. Um, so I want my family to grow up for a little bit more and, um, and hopefully I, I'd also, ideally I'd like our country to come back to its senses because man, <laughs> this has got to be a really rough time for people in office. I, I admire them for their service. Um, I think half of them are crazy, <laughs> you know, uh, but, uh, but you know, so look, I won't rule it out, but for the time being, I'm just happy advocating for things like we all do and staying involved that way. And that's how I exercise my political. Do you, do you, do you feel like you might get involved with like a, like a bike coalition or or anything like that? Yeah. You know, I am fairly involved. And I am, I know we have a mutual friend named Aaron Sosnick and he believes in um, supporting bike candidates. And I've, um, I've advised him on that. Um, I also um, have talked with some, some of the nascent, uh, uh, you know, safe streets groups uh, to come to mind to nonprofits. I've talked with them about how we could, um, how we could advocate. Cause you know, a lot of people forgot for them, government is a black box. They're like, what are people thinking in office and what are they thinking? Right. It's like, right. So how do you get through but, to them? What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so I've tried to help groups that way, um, you know, uh, and that, that is also very rewarding because I think there's a lot of groups out there who are doing good things, including yours, of course. Thanks. Um, Mike Cotto, thanks for being on our show. Um, I know you got to get back to your family, but uh, I really appreciate you coming on and we'd love to have you back on in the future. Likewise, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Take care. Take care. Cool. Good job. Uh, All right. Here we are. Um, yeah. AAA, you know, AAA and CHP. It's like, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that, but it's uh it's just it's it's fascinating to me why the chp is so uh car centric right i guess it's their their jobs that sort of depend on it right yeah i hope mike gets back you know i hope he gets involved in politics again i i think he should run for uh council district four uh off in the future after uh, nithya wins and goes for her full term so you're but, talking, um, of course, about <laughs> Raman, who's uh, running, yeah. who's running for, for CD4 against David Ryu. And Nithya is, um, you know, she's shown that, that she understands the argument for safe streets and the argument for multimodal streets. Um, she has shown support and she's been... You know, she she had a a roundtable uh, a couple months back regarding uh, transportation policy, and you know she's there to hear from the transportation advocates, um, which is something that most politicians just don't want to hear from you unless you got 
you know, unless you got money, which usually means automotive and, and oil interests. And, uh, when she had that round table, there was nobody present from the automotive industry. She's, she's not listening to those people. We know that the right way forward is multimodal. You know, this is the impression I got, you know, so I really believe in her and I've seen Joe Linton posting about her and, uh, she's the real deal. So Joe Linton, uh, the streets plug. LA. Joe Linton, longtime, you know, OG advocate, bike advocate in LA, legendary Joe Linton. Um, hey, do you want me to uh, invite everybody on Facebook to join this? Sure. But you have to wait a minute for people to check their Facebook. And uh, good talk with Mike. Yeah, good talk with Mike. He, I was just reading um, about this uh, AB 529, which is way back in 2011 i mean this legislation um you know he authored it and you know the 85th percentile is really this this menace it's one of the key problems with our traffic grid here in los angeles and uh the fact that that the ladot i mean you want to start talking about 85th percentile and LADOT and LAPD. 85th percentile, for those that don't know, it basically sets the speed limit according to the rule breakers. So if, if 85% of the driving public is breaking the law and breaking the speed limit, then the speed limit needs to be raised no matter what. Um, and that is inhumane because our streets you know, every street in Los Angeles is a street that potentially carries pedestrians, that carry, <clears throat> carries cyclists and uh, scooter riders and, and all sorts of people, bus riders, everything. And if you're ratcheting up that speed limit because people break the law, you're pushing other modes of transportation off the road through fear through might is right. And right now that might is right is a, a cycle of defeat because we have these streets that are like 40 miles an hour, 45 miles an hour, uh, going through residential areas, areas with apartment buildings, areas with businesses. And the LADOT and the LAPD have teamed up and they've been pushing neighborhood councils to agree to raise the speed limit for 10 years now and um you know i just during this covid thing uh i just saw about a month ago the police had a uh, a press conference and la walks was there and so was la cbc and i was like the press conference was now that there's less cars on the street people are going even faster because there's even more space to speed and the LAPD was pleading with the public to slow down. And I was like tearing my hair out because I know that for 10 years, the LAPD has been teamed up with the LADOT advocating to raise the speed limits. You know, the, 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 the other way that they could have gone is to engineer the streets for slower speeds, narrow lanes, you know, bulb outs, uh, 
you know, uh, speed cameras. I mean, that's another state issue, but, um, you know, there are things engineering, uh, engineering, uh, methods that can be done to lower speed limits. And they didn't do that. They went and they did the opposite. They put these giant signs up that say, go faster from red light to red light. And now I see this press conference and I think Chief Michael Moore was there and I've worked with Michael Moore on hit and run issues. And it was just like, guys, engineer that now's the time especially you know there's that adapt program where they're resurfacing the streets you can take that and use that to re-engineer the streets so that traffic is calmer and we can bring the speed limits back down but um <clears throat> neither the lacbc nor la walks uh maybe did maybe they didn't know um but they made no mention of this at the press conference it was just a plea for drivers it's like throwing sand at the beach, like, like asking drivers to slow down. It's like you're putting a driver in a race car on a you know, racetrack and telling them to drive slow. It just doesn't make sense. You have to engineer the racetrack to be slow. Put obstacles out there. I don't know. Put some... Uh, well, especially now that you can't rely on enforcement. Right. Um, and the, the thing about police enforcement is they typically say that they don't enforce the speed limit unless you're going 10 miles per hour above the speed limit. So they're just, it's just, it, it drives me bananas. Um, you know, I don't know. How do you end up, how do you get to these people? It, I just don't see how it's possible, especially when our, you know, our organizations that are supposed to be, uh, hounding them are doing press conferences with them. You know, well, so then you're I, I streets for all. Streets for all is different. Streets for all. I, I gotta say, um, Adrian and, and Michael Schneider, Adrian Hoff, and that group has been doing good work. So that is a promising group. Um, you know, they they were the ones that that hounded. I guess the mayor, right? They or they went. They did a whole action where they went neighborhood council to neighborhood council and uh, advocated for the slow streets program. So that was that was good work. I want to see more from them, or I can't wait to see more from them. Would you credit them with with that happening? I think they had a big part in it um, because you know they were the slow streets program was going to roll out, and then the mayor balked on it for whatever reason. But I know you know, that they've been working on it and you, you got to go from neighborhood. It's so much work. You got to go from neighborhood council to neighborhood council, go to their transportation committee, get a motion on deck, get that motion passed in the transportation committee, then get it passed in the, the general committee, the, you know, and, and uh, that takes time. Every meeting is a month apart and so forth. So it's a lot of work. And those guys, I know they did a lot of work on that, so definitely, uh, you know, salute them for that. So I'm looking for more uh, exciting things to come from them. And hopefully, you know, I don't know where LACBC is right now, but um, they've let go of a lot of people. They're struggling, so we need – and I think we just checked off another box on the bingo, except I said it, not you. So um, the Bike Talk bingo. Nick, you got to say something disparaging about it. <laughs> 
So, right so if if anybody hasn't hasn't seen this, there's I guess a bingo uh, maker, a bingo game maker, where you just have the number. You have all these choices on a bingo card, and there's a free space, and you can win at bingo if you listen to bike talk, and then. It, there's a few car. There's a few squares. One is Nick asks an awkward or provocative question. Yeah, you were on mute during Mike Gatto, so you didn't get to ask an awkward question. Well, are are you? Is that good? Or are you going to ask one of me? <laughs> don't. I forget don't what I was. Me. I forget what my original point was. Uh, we're just talking at this point. It's bike talk. Uh, what were we talking? About? Bike talk bingo. Um, we're, we're, we might not hit bingo this time. Sorry, Agent X. Agent X is the one that drew up the bike talk bingo. So we should have him call in with the, with the voice changer so we can, uh. Oh, is it a him? Uh, they. It's a they. Okay. Why just him then? We don't know. I'm just saying that to throw people off. Oh. Um, in, in other news... <clears throat> Taryn did not do the news today. Oh, he didn't? Okay. We're going to do, um, in the next uh, week or two, we're going to do a, uh, a bike repair <clears throat> segment with Jimmy from, uh, from Rolampago Wheelery. So that's going to be exciting. He's going you know, to take us through actually installing a dyno hub, if you know what that is. That's a uh, hub that generates electricity for your lights so you don't actually have to charge your lights just you riding generates enough electricity so that your bike lights always are on so that's great it is so, it, yeah and he's going to do it in english and spanish so that's going to be exciting wow and that's when um we're planning possibly for next week i gotta talk to him good i had that done for my wife for christmas one year By oh yeah put a dyno bike on her a dino hub? Dino hub. Dino hub. Is that what, uh, is that what Relampago does? Uh, every, like mainly they put those dino hubs Relampago, Relampago does everything. Um, he does uh, fabrication, you know, welding and so forth. He does bike repair. He will build an entirely new bike. He will build a karaoke bike um so he's pretty fantastic so his shop is is one of those shops where you walk in there and you're like okay work gets done here like there's tools the place is like packed full of tools and parts and everything so i'm actually going to bring my bike down there um in the next uh week or so i have a I have my skinny racer bike that um, needs a tune-up. It's got some problems with the shifters. All right. And you're taking it all the way down there, but it's just really to talk to him. It's really just to hang out with Jimmy, to be honest. I like hanging out with Jimmy. Well, so, that's, that's how you get business, right? Because people <laughs> like to hang out with you, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. So. Um, well, we just got a very positive tweet from Mike Gatto. It's already up there. Cool. You want to hear it? Should I read it? No, keep it secret. No, go ahead. <laughs> it says, it says, an absolute joy to appear on Bike Talk K 
KPFK this evening. That's our Twitter handle with the legendary Don Ward, but it says Don Award of Midnight. <laughs> we discuss ways to make our streets safer for all users and how to shorten commutes and reduce pollution. Great discussion, exclamation mark. There we go. Um, yeah, telecommuting. That's gotta be, now you talk about telecommuting, that is going to be, I think, if we really get into telecommuting, you're gonna see commercial real estate take a dump, I'll bet. Hmm. Cause um, you know, it's like right now, people rent these office spaces and there's, you know, companies are spending thousands of dollars a month on, you know, rentals. And it's like, if everybody can telecommute and maybe you have like a much smaller office or no office at all, um, you know, where's yep. the commercial real estate market going to go? That's pretty, that's going to be something. Well, just commercial or, uh, Oh, Zachary Ryan is coming on. You want to, Admit. Yeah, let's get let's get Zach on. Let's talk some gravel bike. <laughs> let's see. But yeah, right? Like commercial real estate is I think in jeopardy on on several levels. I think the mom and pop shops are having problems right now um because of COVID. There's so many have shut down and then the fact that people realize that you can telecommute I think is gonna, I think that's gonna have an effect on the market at least for the next like couple of years. Yeah. Here's Zachary connecting to audio. Come well, on in Zach. Um, but you know, I, I mean, everything that's good for the, like the air for the streets is bad for the economy. It seems like, you know. Yeah. I mean, the economy depends on us being consumers. I mean, the, the, you know, the news, when you're on the news, they refer to us as consumers, yeah. you know, and that's like a normal thing. That's, that's what this system is all about is that we spend money on things and we don't ever stop and we just keep consuming and we consume gasoline and we consume products and plastic and and uh that's you know the bike is like the antithesis of that it's like i'm riding a bike that was built 20 30 years ago you know and it's still in service and it still runs great and uh i don't use gasoline when i'm riding it uh, you know that's that's a problem for the economy that's you know i think it was rob ford that uh, maybe it was Rob Ford from the mayor of Toronto. He was, I think I saw some famous rant where he was just like, bikes are not good for the economy. You know, bikes, they don't spend money on, on gas and they don't spend money on, on car manufacturing. They don't provide jobs. And it was just like, all right, well maybe our, you know, maybe our economy is bullshit. Maybe we should rethink our economy. Was that the crackhead? He ended up being a crackhead. He was very anti-bike. I, I think it was Rob Ford that said that. It could have been somebody in Congress. Well, right uh, now, it's Zachary. Zachary would know about this. A lot of people are talking about how bikes can be good for the economy, uh, you know, not just by riding an old one. But, yeah. Zach, are you with us? Did he get on? 
Yeah. You don't see him? Uh, uh, He's maybe frozen. I don't hear him. Is that just, just he, he looks um he looks very ominous there. I think he's frozen. No, he's moving now. The trees are moving behind him, but he's still motionless. Oh, he's connecting. Oh, he's to trying to connect to audio. Zoom, baby. I'm still a believer yeah. in Zoom, despite all this bullshit. Zachary, bikes and the economy. Go. Mute. Unmute. Oh, unmute. Let's see. He's muted. There he goes. Sorry about this. Where are you? Totally missed everything. Yeah, uh, so, uh, Zach, we just were talking about how politicians say that bikes are not good for the economy. Um, prove, prove them wrong. Um, I mean, I'm always a contrarian. I always try and look at every side. Um, but I think you can already see just like the positive terms of you can fit more people in business areas. Uh, how much uh, during ciclovias uh, businesses go up. Uh, it's just it's simple math. Uh, you can only fit so many people in the space that when you accommodate for parking, uh, bikes, you can fit a lot more people. So if a lot more people can get to your business, you can do more business. And, um, I just remember here when Ciclovia came to the Valley, uh, business owners didn't think it was going to be a big thing. Uh, a few of the places we went to and they ended up saying it was their biggest day ever. So, uh, I, I think bikes are pretty good for business. Uh, it's a little bit hard to test this in the time of COVID, uh, but you're seeing a lot of people that are you know, using creative solutions and being accommodating, really thriving. So I can't see how it isn't good for the economy. Maybe if you're an oil person, yes. I mean, so much of the economy does, I mean, does depend on the auto industry, right? Like, there are so many sectors that if the car went away, even if we went to electric vehicles, there's so many sectors that would uh, shrink, you know, like if, if you go to electric vehicle and you, you, you know, those are way more reliable. Those far less moving parts, mechanics. I mean, there's mechanics on, you know, almost every corner and, commercial areas and uh, parts manufacturers and, you know, transportation uh, systems for fuel and things like that. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a really wide, broad question that, I mean, you know, your biggest expenditure for most people after housing is cars. Those are your two big things. If you could cut down on that, how would you spend your money? Uh, for me, it would probably be a combination of saving, traveling, uh, buying a lot of other things. I think it would be a little bit more of spreading the, the wealth a little bit more. And, you know, when your money's in a lot more places, a lot more people are working. And I think that, you know, that's just the sign of a much broader economy. Yeah, it was just... Um pontificating on social media this week, actually thinking about how much of a wealth drain, you know, this transportation system is this transportation system that you pretty much have to spend thousands of dollars on a piece of transportation equipment, the car, 
just to get around, you know, that's, it's the most convenient way to get around for a lot of people right now because of the way we've designed our system over decades. And people drop $30,000 on a car, you know, over five years. And that doesn't include all the gasoline. That's just the purchase price of the car. Five, 10 years later, that car is worth half or even a quarter as much as what you bought it for. That, that, that's just wealth that's evaporated. If you could have saved that $30,000 in five years, you'd be on your way to having a down payment for a, you know, a condo or you could pay for college for your kid and so forth. Yeah. I mean, like I, I see myself spending maybe about a thousand dollars a year on repairs for all my bikes or just maintenance and upkeep. But you know, just spend... what are you doing to these bikes, man? You thrashing these bikes. That's a lot of money. Uh, I really pull those chains, you know, I ride a lot, I climb a lot, I'm a heavy guy, and I put a lot of wear and tear on my bike. So that's why I need, like, at least three bikes going, because one is going to be down. Hmm. So, um, and sometimes, I, I've got kind of four bikes that I ride, and sometimes, oh, here's Cicla Valley Junior. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, I, I, I definitely need, need, need a fair amount of bikes because i go through a lot of stuff yeah so zachary tell us about your bikes your bike style well um you know i don't have the body of it but uh i'm a climber and i really love climbing and i really love grinding it's something that i kind of got from trail running i was really good at running up hills really bad at running downhills and there's just something about the elevation i've got you know, um, I've just always been good going up hills despite my weight. But, you know, it just puts a lot of wear and tear on my bike. And um, it's just all I know. How much you weigh? Uh, COVID, I'm probably like almost 200 pounds right now. I'm trying to figure really? a way I can get down. Yeah. I, I weigh a lot more than probably people think. Um, I just it's all have, muscle though, right? Oh yeah, of course, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, when when I was a runner and really getting into it, I was in the high one sixties. But um, dad life, as you know, Rick, uh, Nick, just doesn't. Uh, yeah, it's not 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 the best. Dad life, yeah. yo. Dad life. I've been doing um, I've been doing morning rides now. I've become a complete morning ride person. And uh, I do this ride called the Mason Massacre, where we go to the top of uh, Mason. I have a couple of friends that I go with. And uh, I've actually lost weight. I'm excited. I'm down to 220. I'm at 222-ish right now. I'm aiming for 215. I'm actually yeah. really skinny as a dad. Yeah, how much you weigh, Nick? Like 184. And how tall are you? Six foot two. Huh. That's pretty good. I'm 6'8", so I think my ideal weight is like 215 or something like that, 210. Okay. Well, well, thanks for putting me in my place. I guess I'm the one person who's doing it all wrong. The time of COVID. <laughs> wait, wait, how tall are you, Zach? I'm five, just under 5'9". Five 5'9", foot nine. Five foot nine, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm technically obese. 
if you go by the, <laughs> the charts. Yeah. I think um, it's probably a lot of muscle, to be honest. You don't look you don't look obese to me. So who's got the guitar going? Is that Ellie? Uh no, we uh so what's really cool is seven o'clock. We've got five minutes, like oh my god, this guy here is I wish I could flip the camera. He's actually it goes for a walk down the street. Let's see if I could flip the camera. Hold on a second. Um well are you you guys doing that uh neighborly thing out there? Yeah, so this guy here, Sam, um, actually is known as the bike dad in my school. He actually has more bikes than me in every type of bike. You know, classic bikes, road bikes. And this one is an electric bike, this rad bike, which is pretty, uh, um, he got a pretty good price. Um, and, you know, he goes to school and they actually, it's the first time he's bringing his guitar. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, every night at seven o'clock here, uh, I guess since the time of COVID, we've been starting these outdoor concerts and everybody plays. Now people are just starting to arrive, but you can see Mississippi Valley here and uh, the ringleaders are right across the street. And here comes somebody with a bass and a violin. That's my mom across the street with the flute. And then a clarinet guy who lives in this house right here is going to pop out. I mean, he only has to show up at 6.59. Um, but yeah, we play like three songs and then we end with uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And uh, short and sweet, there's like a stable of 20 songs that we go through. And, you know, I mean, this is what streets are about. I mean, it's connecting neighborhoods. This is like three blocks, two, three blocks from our house. You can see we've got our, our bikes here. Um, and, you know, it just... Um, it's just just a cool little thing. I think it just definitely releases a lot of steam for people to, to hear all this. Wow, and we didn't even mention gravel bikes. Oh, well, this is, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a nice neighborhood thing. You see, the thing I love about this neighborhood is a lot of people that love walking around. So we catch a few passerby people that just happen to join in and just start dancing. And, yeah, this has slowly been growing, but that's not the reason why we do it. I mean, you know, it's just it's a nice little fun outlet. And since you really can't do too much responsibly, um, you know, it's it's a great great little little thing to do. Cool. Nick, you get you you got to get that going in, on your side of town. I do. I I I need. To... Oh yes, is that Bruce? Bruce is with What's us. What's up, buddy? What's up? Hey, how you doing, Don? Good. You're on Bike Talk Live, KPFK something or other on Zoom. So uh, I, I, I texted Bruce and thankfully he's, he's now here with us. He's, he's a uh, bike legend and, uh, you know, you did a uh, Juneteenth ride uh, today, right, Bruce? Or was that yesterday? My, what? Did, I saw on social media that you did a Juneteenth ride like 93 miles or something like that. It's, it's well, a little skippy. They met at, um, they, they met at Dock 52 and uh, I just rode from my house down to Dock 52. We just rode up to Trancas. Now Dock 52 is in, where, in San Pedro? 
Or where is that? Marina Del Rey. Marina Del Rey? Marina Del Rey. Del Rey. Wow. So you rode from yeah. Panorama City to Marina Del Rey, did a ride with them, and then you rode up to Panga. Yeah. I, saw, I saw the flyby. And I was just thinking this week, yeah. I was like, man, I could probably ride with Bruce because I've been doing all these morning rides. I could probably keep up with Bruce at this point, but slap myself for thinking that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I could – it got pretty spicy up there, you know, because, you know, you get the brothers together and all that testosterone, people like, oh, you know. Anxious. Now, yeah, but it was – Now, Bruce, you're, cut, you're, you're cutting up a little bit, uh, just to let you know, if, we, if you uh, have a spot where the Wi-Fi comes in a little better. Be great. I'm I'm close to it. I turned the television off so it wouldn't wouldn't be not eating Wi-Fi. Is that better? Yeah, I think that works. Hold on. Great. Yeah. All I gotta do is turn the television off and I get more Wi-Fi. So quickly. Yeah. I'm gonna cut out here. It's seven o'clock. Concert's about to start. All Um, right, Zach. Take care. All right. See you later, guys. Thanks for. We're gonna. What? Thanks for the update. Where is that sound coming from? That's the concert. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get out of here. Okay. Nick, mute. Oh, I was <laughs> enjoying it. Okay. There we go. I'm working on it. There we go. All right. Now we're bringing it over to Bruce. This, this is totally where This is not how we normally do stuff. But uh, love that you're on, Bruce. Yeah, great, um, Tell us, tell us more about this ride. So you guys planned it out. Where'd you guys plan it? And um, it, was, was, uh, it was, you know, Rashawn Bahati, right? I was going to ask, was Rashawn involved? Yes. Yeah. It, last year they did it, and there was like uh, about fifteen people. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it about forty people, but is the first rule of the Juneteenth ride is don't tell any about the Juneteenth ride. So about 60 to 70 people showed up. It was cool. 60 to 70, nice. Well, does, yeah. that, does that include after the ride? Like, are you okay talking about it now? Oh, yeah, we're fine, fine talking about it right now. Um, you just don't want don't, people showing up. I don't know why they didn't want people to show up. With us. They were like, we don't want any WHITE people showing up. When I'm- <laughs> Hell no. You don't want us showing up, man. Now, there, do people spell it, or is that B L E C K? Yeah, I saw the photos. I didn't see one white person in any of the photos. So there's uh, Ed, Ed, Eduardo Potes, and he's he's Hispanic. I think he's from El Salvador, so he was there. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, but I've I've always said that the needle in the United States is not going to move until there are more white people protesting against uh, injustice than black people. That's, okay. what, we're, that's what we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. Right. I just passed the protest on the way back home, back, on the way back home at uh, Ventura in Sepulveda. And I was like, okay, maybe I need to come over there. <laughs> so you guys have some black people, but no, I didn't see anybody black on that corner. I was like, oh, well, good. At least you made it to our show. So that's, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. For that. I mean, 
People are on board. There's a lot of people that are on board. The the the, the turnout has been insane. Like there was like a hundred thousand people on Hollywood Boulevard the last two two weeks, right? Yeah. Like uh so and things seem to be changing, right? I mean what do you think? Conversation and then there's an awakening. And I think the millennials are like looking at their parents like, uh, you guys know about this? And their parents are like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And they're like, no, you guys have been ignoring this. And, they're, and so the millennials are like, why are we still here? What the fuck have you guys been doing? Uh, fuck you guys, we'll clean the shit up. <laughs> you know, millennials have, and, and by extension, everybody else, but millennials are probably most open to it is like, they have it. They have access to the information. I remember, you know, being in high school, and I was always like, you know, in history class, it was just sort of like, well, why, why can't we learn about recent history? I, I don't know. You know, we're not talking about recent history. I want to know what happened in the fifties and the sixties, and you know, it always seemed to end with World War II, and then we never went further. And it was always. I remember specifically thinking like, why can't we learn more about recent history? And, and now we have access to everything. I also think that the millennials just want to have fun and they're getting tired of all this. You know, I can't have my friend who's black over because my parents are racist and stupid. Or <laughs> <laughs> that sort of stuff. You know, we need to be, we, we need to be over this so we can just, you know, have you know, one community. You know, right. you is in cycling. There's only fast guys and slow guys. <laughs> oh no, Don just dropped off. Yeah. I, but, Nick, are you the host of the uh, of the show? Yeah, I mean, technically, Don's really the MC, but I'm I'm the one who's running the Zoom because you can see, like, he dropped out and it's still happening. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, I thought you were Matthew Modine when I first got <laughs> Oh, well, thank you very much. Yes, he's done some good work. Yeah. Hey, what, sorry. Speak, what do you think? My, my headphone keeps going out here. It's broken. Speaking so. of you guys, both of you, uh, you know, to, to bring this, to use a bike uh, metaphor, what do you think, we're talking about why the, you know, this is happening for the millennials now, uh, or seems to be happening more, or there's more movement. Is it a critical mass? I mean, is that what happened? Is that we just reached? I, I think it is. I think uh, that the, I think we're gonna push the old old farts out. I really, I really, <laughs> I really do. Because, you know, there's, when I was a kid, I was hoping that some of this ignorance would die out with the people that are just a little older than me. And I think that's what's, what's happening now. I mean, I, I'm sure there's some grandparents and parents dis disappointed in their little leftist children. <laughs> I feel like overwhelmingly the the old it's it's old thinkers, old old people. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there's some old people who were right there in '64, and you know, there, there were like the guy they pushed down at that. Uh, <laughs> that 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 old guy was seventy five years old. That the uh, cops pushed down and cracked his skull, and then tried. To what the fuck? Right? Like what the fuck? 
Like that is just Trump said he was acting. And and the way that they acted after they did that, you just see them like they're like this, like like they were like little kids. They were like, uh, what do we do now? We just fucking push this old man down, he's bleeding out of his ear. Help him. The first guy went to help him, and then the next guy goes, No, no, just leave him down there. Yeah. It's like you could you could just see the way that these guys were were charging forward like 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 a football team or something like they were just in the locker room downing monster energy drinks chest bumping like raw we're gonna go kick some ass we're gonna go crack some heads yeah we've we've had a lot of people a- go ahead sorry no i just said there's a there's a culture of that what did you say i said i said that i think the initial I was I was gonna say the initial outrage and you know just fucking shit up and and uh, and uh, looting and rioting that has dissipated because we've given it no energy, so it kind of died out and now we're just having you know peaceful protests and I'm surprised that it's still going on. I guess people don't have anything else to do. Uh, well, it's I an interesting. You convergence of, of COVID and, and the protests. Perfect storm. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if, you know, if we could start doing these group bike rides again. We should, well, we should do at least one, uh, one uh, protest ride. Yeah, a week. Yeah, well, I don't know one a week, but we should do, we should do one big one. Maybe bring back a, a midnight riders ride or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah it would be would be nice because 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 that you know how our community is, bike community. Like I said, slow guys and fast guys and people in between. Yeah, you guys you guys get along with the slow guys, right? You you like me, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little faster than the last time we rode. What, okay, what, group, what groups do you know each other from? Bicy Killers, Wolfpack Hustle, Midnight yeah. Riders. And the AIDS yeah. Life too. Oh AIDS my God. I just, oh, that's right. That's where I met Bruce. You did that time? I did. And um, <laughs> I, was, I was up at 6.30 to ride with Bruce and, the, and those guys. And I, I was like, I was in decent shape. And I was thinking like, oh, yeah. Nope. Those guys just dusted my ass. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I love Don's energy, and he was like, Bruce, you really should come hang with us. I think it took me about, like, eight months before I hung with you guys, you know, came, came to Midnight Riders. But I really picked up on Don's energy. It was relative, and he knew that I was fun, you know. And it, was a cool, it, was a cool, uh, it was a cool time in our lives. So can I ask you a question? Are you, are you like, born fast, or, or uh, is that something that you work at? I work at it. I'm not, I'm not that fast. I, I ride with fast people and try to keep up with them. All right, uh, I'm, I'm slow and I'm wondering if there's any point in, in trying to change that. I would, be, I would be faster, but there's like too much beer on the planet <laughs> <laughs> to, <laughs> to allow that. Uh, I, made a, I, made a, I made a library ride. Uh, it's called the Street Librarians. We go and we stop 
little free libraries with books. Yeah, it's cool. And that's the thing, you should be able to, even if you're fast, you should be able to enjoy some like casual, just social rides. Totally. Like, like mm -hmm. our, ride on, um, our ride on Sunday is a recovery ride, but the guys are so fast that I'm just trying to keep up. But you know, they kind of chill out. So recovery means like you did such a fast ride that you need a slow ride? Yeah, the day before. Like those guys tomorrow are riding Mount Baldy. Oh my God. And Saturday they'll do this uh, coffee ride where they just go to a coffee shop or whatever. Uh, but they get competitive because, you know, most of those guys weigh about as much as a wet poodle. So they're pretty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, is this, does, what's the name? Okay, go on. No, go ahead, go ahead. Are, does this group have a, like, are they a group that people know about? Is it like BC Killers or? No, that's not an official group. I think it's like 15 guys and they meet Priscilla's either 8.30 or 9.30 or 10.30 and I never know until the day before it's because it depends upon how much, how much they put into it. You know, how much they, how much they wrote the day before. Yeah, the, and, and Bahati's on that one. Oh, Bahati's not on. They're all, most of the Bahati guys. Those are they're, they're in the South Bay. Okay. Yeah. And this one happens. Where is this one happening? Priscilla's, you said. Where is that? But they're they're inconsistent with it. Uh huh. There's a lot. It's not a regularly uh, scheduled scheduled ride. Do you ever go to the serious cycling rides? Are they worth checking out? You mean in in the valley near you? Yeah. No, I think those are pretty fast too. Yeah, I'm working up to it, man. I, I'm I'm getting back there. Go past your house or your neighborhood on uh, Tuesday when I did that loop. Are you on Strava? I have it, but I have never used it. Yeah, I rode up to Fillmore through. Santa oh my God. Santa Clarita. Rode up to Fillmore and then back over the mountain, and I'm pretty sure I passed your neighborhood when I was on my way back. Because I went to Utah. Okay. Wow. That's quite a ride. That's like a 100 miler. Oh, 88. Oh, oh, okay. 88. So, can we like check <laughs> on Strava? Is that how that works? Strava? Yeah. Like, can we follow you on Strava if anybody wanted to? Dennis Rodman is following me now. No. Get the hell out of here. Hey, wait, you know what? We got to get um, LeBron James. Where, where is he at? Like, he's a big bike rider. How do we get in touch with him and get him out riding with us? Reggie Miller rides a lot. Is he in L.A.? Yeah, he's in L.A. now. Yeah, yeah. I, I oh. tried to party at his house years ago, and his sister threatened to kick my ass. <laughs> and the funny part is I ended up watch, walking, working on a show with her the next year. <laughs> did she remember you yeah yeah <laughs> why did she threaten that uh cheryl miller threatened to kick my ass she didn't really threaten to kick my ass she says you're not coming in this party <laughs> she was and she's she's wnba right she's uh never played she... no oh, okay i thought she was a basketball she was on ucla or something like that yeah yeah usc uh, so we're looking USC. for like we're looking for like a crossover not, uh, between bikes and other sports, basketball. Is that what? 
Well, it's just like it's LeBron James. It's you know he was doing. I've read that he was doing the critical mass rides in Florida in uh, Miami. A lot. Of, it's like a lot of ex athletes after they're done, they start they start riding bikes because it's the intensity and the exercise. Right, and it's good on your. It's okay for your joints. It doesn't doesn't kill you. Yeah. After a career of uh, running and impact. But yeah, I mean, if we can somehow get through to LeBron James, I feel like he would be a great spokesman to go to the politicians and get change happening in this city, you know? Yeah. I'm going to send a note to Dennis. He just started following me today, but I'm going to send a note to Dennis Rodman and have him join us on one of rides. Well, we'll take Dennis. I mean, I fucking love Dennis Rodman so much. I used to watch him on uh, when he was on the Spurs. That's when I first noticed him. And uh, he's just you're, – you're kind of cutting out, Bruce. We've got to figure out this. It's cutting out a lot. What are we doing here? Or is that my phone? No, it's just that I start, I think the, when the, I should mute myself when I'm not talking. That would help. I'm from Detroit, so I knew Dennis Rock. My mother was a big fan of his. Well, right. we'll, we'll take an interview with Dennis Rodman for sure. What, why do you think he uh, started following you on Strava? Because I, re- I requested to follow him today because he had written a segment that I wrote today, where he had given a uh, kudos to Bahati. Ha! Yeah, that's yeah. He had given a kudos on Strava to Bahati. I'm like, well, let me follow this guy, and he doesn't follow. <laughs> but he, he did. I think he's done 134 miles this week. I'm like, so he so he is riding, and I think he had seen that I had already done 186 miles this week, so he followed me. Nice. Oh my God. If if that ever happens, please invite me to the ride. Please. Please. I, but I, you know what? I bet if Bahati invited him to the ride, to a ride, that he would show up. Everybody, you know, everybody just like worships Bahati. I wonder. Yeah, I know. Bahati's huge. He's so popular. Such a cool dude. Um, I wouldn't like is is LeBron James on Strava? I'm really trying to zero in and and get some of these athletes. Like, there's got to be a way. I feel like Mayor Garcetti or something would like respect them. I'll just ask Bahati. He probably knows every celebrity that's on Strava and is writing. I'll ask him. Who's Bahati again? Uh, his name is Rashan Bahati. Okay, he's just a great cyclist. Legendary cyclist, legendary cyclist. Um, he was pro for 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 a while, for for a number of years, right, Bruce? Still kind of pro. Uh, he was on that uh, rock racing team, but then they had a different difference of philosophy, and Bahati was like, eh, you know, bye, I'm gone. Like, like bye, I'm gonna start my own major brand. I've been wearing my Bihati. I got my Bihati jersey. I'm going to show y'all. You do? Yep. Oh, cool. This is really yeah, he, a, a when, radio when he, podcast, but... 
when he raced in uh, when he raced in uh, the Wolfpack race, he uh, blessed me with a jersey. Nice. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm pretty stoked. I've been wearing it all the time. It's like my best looking jersey. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw a picture of you in that. You just put it. Yeah. Up. Yeah, I'm looking good. I'm looking better. Yeah, you're down to almost. 40. <laughs> to what? Forty-one. I don't know what it means, but I saw that number on a uh, oxygen. Oh, that's my that's my pulse. Yeah, forty-one. Whoa, really? Your resting pulse is forty-one. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. That is good. It's been that way for a long time. It used that was normal when I was in my wolf pack days, and then I started uh, getting tubby. And um, like I said, I've been this COVID thing. I've been riding almost every day, so it's been great. Yeah, uh, Bahati's getting ready. They're they're getting ready to order some more kits. I need a new kit. Yeah. I wonder if I have any Wolfpack kits left. Gonna send one your way. <laughs> I might. I don't know. Those were. Yeah, those were rare. Yeah, they were rare, um, but I I uh, I have some somewhere. I gotta dig them up, and I think I have a bunch of like uh, winners jerseys. Castelli gave me like multiple copies of the winners jerseys because we needed multiple sizes in case it's somebody a was a. You heard from John? Still in jail? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we're going there, huh? <laughs> Um, I haven't heard from John, man. You know what? We, we had a falling out shortly before that happened. It was crazy. He was losing his mind. You know, I probably don't want to say anything online about him, but, uh, that was a tragic yeah, downfall. Yeah. I didn't know he was a veteran either. So that probably had something to do with it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know that he ever saw any combat, but he's definitely like he won some kind of uh like um high standing with the army, right? Like he did some kind of training that uh very few are able to complete. So he was he was definitely um I love John like a brother. I love him this like was a brother. The guy who won who won the the marathon crash or something like that. Yeah, he was like he was like the you know he was the face of Wolfpack Hustle Team A. I mean, he was a cocky bastard. He was like a, a roadie to the nth degree. Fun though. Uh, he was fun. Yeah, he's definitely always a personable guy. Always made things fun. He led the Wolfpack rides for years. Um, yeah, he was a fantastic dude. He just sort of fell into some crazy shit. And, uh, you know, he's on pause right now, I guess you could say, right, Bruce? On pause, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild, um, you know, as you get older, people, uh, people sort of, you know, take these paths and uh, you always hope people come back Yeah, and get it together. Yeah, there's, there's hope for him. I mean, obviously something happened. 
<laughs> Something happened. Yeah, I, I kind of saw it up close, and I he was unstoppable where he was. You know, how John is. He's like, he's he's just a cocky bastard. He, he's the one in control. He's the one playing every, you know, playing all the cards. Yeah, so, there's got to be a documentary in there somewhere about the whole Wolfpack hustle. <laughs> Racing the uh, plane. Remember, you guys raced. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you you should have been on that team, Bruce. I guess you were bicyclers at the time, huh? That's enough for that. You had the you had the four fastest guys. They were great. Um, yeah, the whole uh, yeah. There's got to be a documentary in there in there in in there somewhere. Somewhere. Um, but but live and ride in L.A. Wasn't that that was Wolfpack, right? To Live and Ride in L.A. was a movie. My friend Rick Kleinsmith actually um, directed it. I became friends with him. He was the producer and director of it. It was it was about the Wolfpack race, but it was also about Keo and uh, Rest in Peace, who was a fixie, fixed gear, um, what do you call that? Like freestyle fixed gear? Is that what they yeah. call it, but he, he, he came up with the Keo spin and a bunch of different moves. So it was, a, it was about his journey from Seattle to race in our race. And uh, it was a pretty good movie, actually. There's some funny shit in there. I never, I never thought about that movie being, being you guys. Right. It wasn't really pitched as like, you know, a wolf pack movie, but it was a, it was based like it was centered around our, our all city team race. What was the name of the race? The all city team race. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. The, the rules were five member teams, minimum one fixed gear rider per team. Any route you want from Tang's donuts and silver Lake to Doc Weiler beach. And then we had a party afterwards on yeah. the beach. That was pretty dramatic. The end of that, pretty cool. That was that was almost impossible to officiate. Like it took us at least a week before we figured out all the final results. Because like that, like you know, you got to keep track of five teammates. None, nobody's wearing. Everybody's wearing hipster gear, you know. <laughs> so you can't tell what team is coming across the line. That was before you had all those drones. It would be a lot cooler nowadays because you got drones and shit. Right. You know, actually, um, I lined up a deal with uh, Harry Murlowski. I don't know if you know who that is, but the Midnight Riders board, when it was popping, you could just get on there. And I, I went on there uh, before that race, and I was like, does anybody out there know how to fly helicopters? Because we there was no drones at the time, and I wanted to get helicopter footage of this race. And Harry Murlowski was a helicopter pilot, and he was like, "I could do it." And he got us a deal on a helicopter. Rick actually chipped in. I think it was like five hundred bucks, and they filmed the whole race uh, by helicopter. Of course, the footage is kind of shit because um, they, you know, it's hard to keep a janky old helicopter like steady you know it's not a news copter with the gyro it was like somebody leaning out the, the fucking side with a camera but there's this there there this uh there's these scenes in the movie where you could see like uh the race and it's total chaos in the streets like 
racers coming south on Vermont and west on Santa Monica and crisscrossing in his cars. And, oh, that was cool. So that was pretty cool, yeah. And you don't do that anymore? You don't, do, you don't put on races? I stopped doing the street races because of that race, actually. That race, when I saw just how chaotic it was and dangerous, and after a while, you start meeting people's parents. You start, you know, the you just the gravity when the, when the thing gets so popular and so many people are doing it and putting their lives on the line. You're like, whoa, what am I doing? I'm, I got to pull back and and figure out a safer way to do this. Here you, uh, I was working uh, out at. Um, what's it, what's at the end of Devonshire? And up the hill, Stevens Ranch. Right, Stevens Ranch. I think it's Stevens Ranch. Devonshire, after about 10 o'clock at night, all the lights are green going east and west. And I time trialed that thing at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Freaking, that's near you, right? Yeah, that's pretty close, yeah. I time trialed that thing from one end to the other at, at night. And I mean, it was like, it must've been like, I know it was less than an hour. It was less than, it was less than an hour. That would be a, a good bit. Yeah, be a good e e yeah, we were looking for situations like that. And that's how the marathon crash race came to be. I was like trying to find, cause at that time getting permits and all that stuff just seemed way out of the question. And, uh, so the marathon crash race came out of like trying to find a safer format where the streets were closed off. But even that was stupid because the streets weren't closed off and you're sending thousands of people down the street at high speed. It was just a bad idea, a really rad, bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of the funnest times in our lives has been through. I don't know if this is such a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. I mean, I'm so thankful that no one got hurt. You know, I, I, bicycle killers the same way, right? Nobody, nobody really got hurt. Or I was there was that one time that uh, on the on the marathon races that chick smashed her face up. Uh, Lindsay. Yeah, <laughs> Lindsay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she lost some teeth. It's just bad. It's just a bad idea, you know. So I mean, we finally we finally started getting permits. I went through the whole permit process with the city, which is, I I've I cried actually at how fucking awful the city is. Like, I had planned a whole thing. I had a bunch of sponsors, and my permit got denied a week out from the event. And I didn't know what to do. I mean, actually, I had to go to the council office, which was Jose Wezar, and he kindly wrote a letter and told the city to give me a permit, which was like a miracle. Otherwise, that, I that for the crit or for the? That was that was for the Second Street Tunnel drag race. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, did you go on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I'm that right. was fun. And me and Illy and all the guys. We're not gonna go again. We want to drink. <laughs> so you guys are an era in uh, LA biking together. We are. Yeah. 
big time. That was a big time. The LA night rides. We were right in the middle of it. Then it just died. Yeah, it kind of just died off. Or it's it's sort of with the new generation now. There's there's some youngsters still doing it. And they they actually have some big rides. Like uh Blockboy Fame has a big ride. The Chief Luminous ride is pretty big, but they're like they're like several generations uh separated from myself at least. I would feel like a total old man if I went on one of those. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe I'll join them on one day. Yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask uh 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 Bahati about getting some of his some of his contacts and we'll do a do a protest ride. Yes, please, please. If you guys organize one, I would love to go. I would love to follow and and you know, please. We'll do. All right, man. All right. Right. Well then that's Bruce. I love you, man. Let's go ride. Let's ride in the morning. What do you think? I'll uh, text you about, uh, I'm doing a crazy ride tomorrow, but I'll text you about Sunday morning. Okay. Peace out. Nice okay. meeting you. Nice meeting you, Bruce. All right, we're good. All right, 7.30, right on the dot. Wow. Yeah, we just, just talked. We just did it. We just talked. Talked about bikes. Went back to the OG. Mm-hmm. Nothing to it. Yeah. I'm so glad that Bruce called in. I love that guy. He does these live uh, rants on Facebook that I just tune into, and it's just hilarious and awesome and meaningful too. But he's he's got a really uh, good way of uh, presenting it. And uh, yeah, I 100% support that guy. I mean, if him and Hottie got some kind of ride going and Dennis Rodman showed up or LeBron James, that'd be insane. Yeah. That would that would be a huge moment in Los Angeles cycling for sure. So sure I hope would. they do it. Yeah. yeah me too. All right, Nick. Um, good show. Mike Otto, Bruce Bellamy, Zach. Somehow we had guests. Uh, once um, again. Once again, we pulled it off. Bike talk on KPFK live stream coming to you on Zoom until further notice. Until next Friday. Take care. I rise in the morning and greet the day. Pull out the bike and I'm on my way. The transportation shows I care. Every turn of the pedal cleans the air. Green in the green, I'm saving the planet. Just like my friends Dale, Sean, Toby, and Janet. No greenhouse gas, a tiny carbon footprint up your ass. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 